Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win it. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm your host, Kane Pittman, alongside, once again, I think it's third time on the podcast we were just talking. Camille Davis is back, of course, from the Technical Foul podcast. Camille, there's two ways I can ask this question. How are you doing in general? But for this one, I'm going to ask how you're doing from a basketball perspective. The Bucks are down 2-0 in the series. We're around 24 hours, or let me just say, by 24 hours time now when we're recording, we're going to know what's up with the Bucks season. Mm-hmm. And right now, I feel a jumble of emotions. After watching <laughs> game two, it was one of those games where I didn't feel that we were in a position to win most of the game. So the fact that we were able to tie it up in the fourth quarter on a somewhat questionable call that was on Dragic uh, with that Middleton three where we were able to tie it up and then getting hit with another questionable call the other way, which I felt was a pure makeup call from the refs with Giannis following Jimmy with no time remaining and to lose with zero time on the clock with two free throws. The moment that I saw that it was Jimmy going up to the free throw line, I already knew what the outcome was about to be. The Bucks did a far better job on Jimmy in game two, which was commendable. I saw Wes was on him a lot more, which I was hoping for after game one, but Jimmy Butler on the free throw line with the game on the line, I don't see him missing, not not twice. And that was the outcome that we got. And after that game, I was encouraged a little bit just from the fact that the Bucks shot themselves in the foot again. This is a common refrain now. This is, as you mentioned, the third time I've been on the show, the third time I've, I've said the sloppy play is, <laughs> is really hurting the Bucks. 14 turnovers in general, 12 of those led to 22 points for the Heat. And when you only lose by two, like it's – you can't really do that. The playoffs is every possession matters and they've just been a little bit too careless so far with the ball. Yeah, I think, I mean, we're just running out of time, aren't we? And and yeah. as you said, I mean, this is a conversation we've been having the whole way through. And I think, I always, I think generally look at the larger sample size when I'm looking at this team. So the whole way through this bubble, I've said, well, okay, I do think that they're going to figure some stuff out. There's been a bunch of factors along the way that may have impacted things. We know certainly a guy like Bledsoe missing some time at the start hurt. So I, I kept on, maybe it's me making excuses for the team that they're going to figure it out. And then now you find yourself 2-0 down and there's no way around it. I mean, game three is an absolute must win. And when you point mm-hmm. to the turnovers, it has been an issue, but the number itself, and because I, I, I went into this a little bit yesterday, but I, I think that this is worth mentioning that the number 14 is actually not that bad. I mean, that is, right. that is actually below the season average for the Bucks. The problem is as you pointed to, the 22 points off turnovers mm-hmm. is horrific. So it's the type of turnovers they're having. It's the live ball turnovers. And it was interesting today, we got to speak to the players and Brooke Lopez was asked about that and how he feels about those live ball turnovers and the fact that they're scoring so easily off them. And it was kind of an interesting answer that he gave, but he said, well, I actually don't feel that bad about those turnovers or I don't feel that we can't turn that around. 
because they're so damn basic. I mean, they're the most simple thing. And I, I said, yes, but in my head, I've been saying that to myself for the last six weeks. <laughs> like, it, it's, this is, I've been saying this is so simple, clean this up. That's why I feel good about this team. And they haven't. So do I have confidence they're going to do it tomorrow? I don't know. I mean, can, should I have confidence? Probably not. Yeah, they put together another poor game in game two until the last few minutes where they where they really kicked it into gear. I mean, they were able to keep it kind of close. They weren't going away throughout game two, no matter how many times Miami responded. And Miami responded, it seemed like every single time the Bucks were making some leeway. But it doesn't, as you mentioned, cover up the fact that the play has just been inconsistent. Like you have to really be focused for the full 48. And they're doing some things that I like. I saw like in game two, they had more points in the, in the paint than they did in game one. They didn't shoot as well from three and Miami shot just a boatload of threes in game two, but there are the series is still winnable. That's, that's the part that gets me every time. The series is very winnable. If the Bucks can win game three, and as you mentioned, it is definitely a must win position for them at this point. Coming in, looking at a two, one series feels a lot better than coming in and looking at being down three Oh, and it like, they can do this and you see it. And I also just have faith that Giannis, as he keeps seeing this defense and what they're doing, that he's going to continue to adapt to that and continue adjusting to continue to up his level of play as well in the process. So one of the things that I always looked back on in that Toronto series, because I think the big criticism now that we're seeing, and you're seeing Bucks fans vigorously turn on Bud. I mean, this has been yes, pretty <laughs> savage. And not just Bucks fans, but the the wider basketball community, I would say, online community is turning on Bud. And it's it's been quite savage. And I think that a lot of it is certainly justified in the way that you shouldn't get to the second round and feel like you're watching a team that is underprepared for what's coming at them, particularly when you look at the way Miami defending them. And it's very, very similar to the way they lost last year. Now, the only thing that I will say is that last year, I thought when the Bucks had the 2-0 lead, game three, they, they were right in it. So they probably still walked away. Even though they had a 2-1 lead, they were feeling pretty comfortable. Game four, things started to turn and it felt like the momentum was already lost at this point. So you never want to be playing from behind, obviously. But I will say that I think that the fact that in the second half in game two, it did seem defensively that they started to turn some things around that that gives me some confidence that game three they're going to be in good shape to get a win and as you pointed to if you get it back to 2-1 then you're feeling pretty good the thing that stands out to me again I mean we keep talking about the turnovers here and I mentioned this timing yesterday in the game but it's still it's still just so critical they went from the 605 mark in the fourth quarter to the 145 mark without scoring and when you're playing from when you're playing from behind and you're giving the ball away those three turnovers in that span you're just not going to win the game. The other thing I took from today, and this is something that I noticed last year, and particularly in the Celtics series when the Bucs were playing from behind, they always seemed pretty loose. And I was watching this game yesterday, and even when the Bucs were behind in the second quarter and the third quarter, they seemed to still be smiling, laughing with each other. They seemed to be pretty loose. And Brooke Lopez said today, everyone seems pretty loose, honestly. We know what we need to go out and do. We know what's at stake here. We've watched film. We've walked through stuff. But the mindset is right. Nobody is too uptight or anything. We are ready to get going. And I think that's very, it's very Bucks-like. It's what this group's been like the whole time. But I am curious to see how tight they are coming out in Game 3. Because, again, I thought in Game 6 last year, if we think back to that game against Toronto, I remember 
they were shooting the ball very, very well in the first half. Mm-hmm. They did not show any signs of a team that came out tight. So I think that that does give you some confidence. Clearly down the stretch, Toronto were too good and defensively and the Bucks slowed down a little bit. But they seem loose. They seem confident that they can still win this game. Are you buying that? I am. I, it, it might be foolish optimism at this point. We'll know tomorrow um, as people are listening to this podcast. But one thing that makes me feel a little bit more comfortable about the Bucks' chances is that when you think about last year's series, when they were up 2-0 and they went to Toronto and, and the tide changed, there is no going to Miami this time, luckily for the Bucks. Now, we've mentioned before how the Bucks seem to feed off of the energy of the crowd, so they're missing that. But on the same token – they're not going to have to face a hostile environment in the game three where they're down to or Oh two. Like it's, it's still a neutral court at that moment. So it's really just about correcting the mistakes that you made playing loose, doing what you know you can do and executing properly. So not having that crowd and being in the bubble, I think actually works in the Bucks favor in this situation right now, which I don't think I would have expected to say coming into it, honestly, but going to Miami down 0-2 would have been quite the environment to have to overcome. A quick note from our friends at Roman now. Talking about erectile dysfunction isn't easy. Usually we just brush it off or blame ourselves saying things like, I just lost my mojo. I had a long day at work or I'm just not feeling it. But with Roman, it is easy to talk about. With a real healthcare professional who can prescribe real medication, it's simple, safe, and totally discreet. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your own home. The whole process is straightforward, simple, and discreet. ED used to be tough to tackle, but now there's Roman. Complete an online visit today to connect with a healthcare professional and take care of it. Go to roman.com slash locked on NBA today. If approved, you'll get $15 off your first order of ED treatment. That's getroman.com slash locked on NBA. Getroman.com slash locked on NBA. Not having home court only sucks until you lose it. And then exactly. you and then and then you love it. So the Bucks right now, I hundred percent agree. If this was in under normal circumstances and they just dropped two straight at Fiserv for him, I'm uh, I'm wrapping it. I I might not even podcast for the rest of this series. I'll say I'm done. <laughs> uh, I'll say I'm done because the Bucks aren't coming back from this. So I agree. They at least give themselves a chance. I, I still find myself watching some of these games though. Now I just this just came to me now as we're talking about this. Yesterday, as the Bucks were making their charge, that stretch in the third quarter is one that stands out to me. They tied the game at 78. That was where I was certainly my most critical of Bud when he took out Brook Lopez and brought in a, a largely mm-hmm. bench unit. I think that really cost the Bucks. But I, I think about situations like that, particularly when you're playing from behind. I think of that game's at Fiserv Forum down the stretch he hits a big shots the game gets close again those are the moments where you need the home court the most and mm-hmm. it's it, you know we're going to look back on it and and it's and this is the problem no matter what happens you're always going to have the what if and i think this is why i've been so strong in saying that if you manage to win a title this year you deserve all the credit and and people can say and they can take away whatever they want from you but to be in this situation to win these games and to win a series i mean you deserve all the credit in the world because you play home court for a reason because it's an advantage and you want mm-hmm. it. And that's what the Bucks did. So I think that's going to be the problem with this. There's always going to be a what if, but where do you sort of put the influence of having no crowds and the Bucks not being able to play a FISO? Cause they are a very strong team there. 
I think it hurt the Bucks, to be completely honest with you. I think that the Bucks love playing at home, and I'm, I don't have their home road split in front of me, but I know that their home record is quite impressive over the last two years with, with Bud at the helm. And you can see it at certain times where it's like, I'm at home myself cheering, and I'm like, I wish that they could hear me right now. Yeah, like, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm really amping them up. And I think we mentioned this before when I was on here the last time, and you kind of need that energy from your, your bench a little bit more. We saw Giannis get a little bit more, um, I don't know the exact words used. He was more excited throughout the the Maya or the Orlando series towards the end there when they were gaining momentum. And he mentioned it was because he knew he had to bring that energy for his team, a different way to lead. And I mean, the Bucks haven't been up <laughs> considerably yeah. in this series against Miami so far. So it's really hard to bring that energy in that place. But you you have to look to your bench. You have to look to your teammates and it's hard without a crowd. It is. And the only thing that you can say about that is, well, Miami doesn't have one either. Like everyone is on the exact same even playing field, but the Bucks definitely do seem to be a team that feeds off of having their crowd. And I think that, I don't know. I don't know if we would be down 0-2 in the series had the first two games been at Vicer form. I think that's certainly fair, but you mentioned the bench. So the bench may as well be cheering because yeah. they're not doing a lot else. And this, <laughs> and, and this has been a real problem for the Bucs, particularly in the, through the first two games of this series. Now, I will say shout-out to Marvin Williams. He's played relatively tough defense. We can get to the defensive confusion in a little bit. I, I think that the Bucs have been all over the shop at times defensively. But two guys that stand out, Pat Connaughton and Dante DiVincenzo. Now, I think that the Bucs have been lauded for their depth through the regular season. And again, I think when you're playing bad teams, you're able to hide that and it masks some of the issues that you have. But Pack on it and Dante so far, averaging just 2.5 points between them. Dante, Dante uh, right now, if, if I can uh, pull up these uh, shooting splits, uh, just roll in with a cool 0, 0 and 50. And Pat Connaughton has, is rolling at 22% from the field so far. As I said, only two points in 18 minutes per game. And he's been a minus 13 on the box score. So... When we look at the Bucks and what they're getting out of the starters, and and they deserve a lot of credit, and this is this is the thing that probably hurts so often. We've heard all season long Bucks fans talking about Chris Milton and is he going to stand up? Is he worth that money? He, is he a worthy number two? He's going to let the Bucks down. Well, he's averaged twenty five and a half points a game through the first two here at forty six, thirty six, ninety shooting splits. Brook Lopez is averaging twenty points a game. Um, Bledsoe, we know, came in off the hamstring there. Bud did confirm that he's feeling good after game two, which is clearly That's great a critical news. thing for this team. But he had 16 points. So your top four guys are getting it done. Maybe Giannis is the one that could do a little bit more. But you can't fault Chris Milton. You can't fault Brooke Lopez through two games. That is very fair, especially when you look at how Miami won game two. It was such a balanced scoring effort from everybody who came into that game. Even Derek Jones, who didn't score that much, came in and impacted the game on defense. I think he had three blocks in like seven minutes. Like he came in and was able to provide such an energy spark for that team in a limited role. And he didn't even play in game one. Every starter on the Heat was in double digits. Like it just was such a balanced attack. Like even though you're able to slow Jimmy down to just 13, the rest of the team was able to pick that up for him. And when you're just seeing scoring coming from all these different ways, it's hard to stop. And it's reminiscent of what you would have expected from the bench mob. Like that's why they held themselves as a bench mob because they would come in and get the job done. But 
it just hasn't been there. I mean, George Hill, he had a good game too. He was able to to bring 14, but outside of that and the four guys you mentioned, there was no other Bucks player in double figures. So the starters minutes in this series, Chris Milton is up to 35 minutes a game. Giannis is playing 36. Brooke Lopez down at 29 now. There was some foul trouble certainly in those games. And we can touch on that a little bit. Bledsoe coming back in. I mean, it, I was honestly concerned about Bledsoe. If he had a hamstring issue, missed game one, playing against this Miami team that asked you to do so much defensively. How is he going to handle that? The fact that he seems to have recovered well, or certainly reported that he's recovered well, that's a good sign. But he played 30-plus and then George Hill. So those five guys, or those six guys, are going to be the ones with Wesley Matthews that you need to play significant Mm -hmm. minutes. And Bud was asked about playing the starters even more minutes uh, in the games. Now, Bud is kind of notorious for half-finishing the sentence or half-finishing the thought, (laughs) then moving on. So when I read this quote out, it might sound a little funny, but this was his response to that. He said... I think you just have to balance it with we need them to kind of be at peak performance. And sometimes that requires taking a little bit of a break. We've got to have some guys, we've got to have some guys, our depth come through and play, but certainly playing them more. And then he finished, but certainly playing them more is a consideration. He said, I think their minutes have been pretty significant in game one and game two. And Bud, they have been significant if you compare it to the regular season. They have. I mean, this is a, this is a big bump up. Yeah. I mean, for, this is this is normal starters minutes for most teams during the regular season. For the but for the Bucks, it is a lot more. I think they've had issues with fouls, and that's certainly hurt them. But where do you sit with the rotation? Because this is, I think, the the number one source of frustration for Bucks fans right now. Because it seems so simple. It seems very simple. It does. And the thing with that is, is that. Bud seems to still want to throw out all bench lineups every so often. And I feel like in the playoffs, that's a terrible idea. Like, I feel like you have to have at least Giannis or Chris or now that Bled's back on the floor at all times. You got to figure out a way to stagger them in some way. I feel like there's a way to be able to do that and still not play them the 40 minutes, it seems, that Bud is hesitant to play. Because I do hear his point. His point is well-founded that, you know, we're trying to have these guys play at the top of their game every time that they're in the game. If they're tired, they might make more mental mistakes. They might not be on their game. They might not do what we're used to seeing them do. But the flip side to that is you've been resting them all regular season to have them ready for the playoffs. So if you're not going to play them now, then when are you going to be able to play them some heavier minutes? Me personally, I lean more towards the side of I would like to see more minutes from Giannis, more minutes from Chris. And that was one thing that stood out to me after game one was Jimmy Butler dropped 40, and in the fourth quarter, he was still looking like he could play another quarter if he really wanted to. Like, the way that the Miami team is just conditioned, like, they've been playing heavy minutes. They, they've, they've been ready to go. We know how infamous their, their culture is there with how hard their practices are, how hard they work. And it just made me think, like, wow, some of our guys look really gassed in this moment. And I, you don't like to see that. So, again, I understand Bud's point of trying to keep them in peak position, but it's also like, how do you get their conditioning at a better level if they're not able to play the minutes? So I like to see, I would like to see more minutes, but I'm not the coach and um, that's not my call. I saw Giannis's comment where he said, I do whatever coach tells me. And knowing Giannis's personality, he would try to play a full, <laughs> a full game if he could, like just put him out there and he's going to do what he can. But you have to ask the question is, a few minutes of Giannis playing completely gassed worth it at that moment. Well, Camille, I don't know if you've tried the brand new and better than ever 
Built Bar because it's back. It's new and improved. We already know it's the best tasting protein bar at first, but now it's gone to a new level. They have six new flavors that include caramel brownie, cookies and cream, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake. Of course, they have the original 12 flavors that include banana bread, mint brownie, salted caramel, double chocolate, orange, toffee almond. You can just keep on going. The Built Bar is great for the health conscious guy. Lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. The bars are low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber. They're great for those on the keto diet. Go to builtbar.com and use the promo code locked on and you'll get $10 off your next order. Use promo code locked on for $10 off at builtbar.com. The free cooler is still there. While stocks last, with your order, free cooler available. Go to builtbar.com. So I 100% agree with you. In fact, in regards to Giannis and those comments, I will say I was a little bit surprised. I know there's been a lot of reaction and people can turn quotes into whatever the hell they want to turn quotes into. And we know that and they will do that. But Giannis, a lot has been made of him saying, I would want to play 48 minutes. This is something he says in a regular season game against Sacramento in November. Exactly. So exactly. It's, it's not, this isn't like, I didn't listen to him say that and read anything into it at all or that he's starting to get pissed off with Bud. That's just the way he's built. Like he would mm-hmm. play 48 minutes a night every single game. So you can certainly criticize um, Bud for not playing him enough. I've got absolutely no issue with that. But that, that is just the artist. I wouldn't read anything into that. It's interesting at this point, because I know there's been something made of the fact that Giannis has actually been a negative so far in this series, which is just a funny, a funny thing. But you think about some of the, the lineups that he's been put in. You mentioned it. A lot of the times he's getting put in these lineups with bench plus. And yep. that's not going to help his individual plus minus. And that's why plus minus is just such a weird number. The Bucks starters in this series, uh, the, the starting group of, of the, the usuals, not George Hill, Bledsoe in there, was a positive in game two. The number that, and these are a couple of stats that Dean uh, Maniard has put up there. He's, he's doing the work for me the last couple of days. I, I, text, <laughs> I text you, Camille, before we started recording and said, I'm doing some lineup data. And then I just said, screw it. I'm going straight to Dean's timeline and I'm going to rip the stuff straight off there. So the Bucks two starting lineups, this is whether it's Bledsoe or Hill, have played 18 minutes together out of 96 in games one and two. The Heat wow. starting lineup has played 28. So, I mean, it's, it's kind of funny to imagine how low that number is. It's, it, that just gives you a sense of the rotations that happen through a game. But 10 minutes difference across two games. And the stat that always stood out to me after the Toronto series was last, last year was the fact that Giannis played 18 fewer minutes than Kawhi Leonard last year. And I said, that's enough to cost you the series in a series that was ultimately really close. So when I see that, it is frustrating to see that it doesn't seem like anything has changed. The other, the other lineup number that, that really was, was kind of crazy for me to even uh, think about was five-man lineups used so far in the playoffs. Uh, the Bucks have used 159 different five-man lineups, which... <laughs> which I didn't even understand the math, how that is physically possible to have played 159 different five-man lineups. It sounds completely insane, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to trust our guy, Dean. Just for reference, the Heat have only used uh, 69. Wow. <laughs> wow. It's insane. And I, I know, that's what I'm saying. And this number just seems completely outrageous to me, but it gives you an idea again that when we look at the rotations and the substitution patterns that the Bucks have, it feels like no one group gets any type of chance to get settled. It feels like it's always chopping and changing. And this guy's coming in here. If they start to get on a roll, it doesn't matter if they're on a roll. Bud's going to stick to whatever the plan is in his head. 
it, it just none of it seems to make sense. And I'm again, I'm not an NBA coach, so I always I always right. say that I don't know what the hell he's going through his head or any NBA coach, but it seems odd. It does. That is a crazy statistic. I would have never have guessed that it was that many different lineups playing. But as you pointed out, when you think about it, it does make sense. Like, I don't think I would have put that number on if I had to take a wild guess, but there are so many just different lineups. Like there are times where I've just text friends and I'm like, what is on the court right now? Like, what are we actually looking at at this moment? Because I've never seen this combination of players. And in the playoffs, you would like to have a group that is very comfortable together. And I'm, I know all the guys, how close they are, how much they practice, how much they enjoy playing together, but it's different. Different people have different spots, different tendencies. There are just certain things that you get comfortable with when you're playing with the same group consistently. And to your point, I think that that's something that, that ha- what should, should change. I won't say has to, because again, not an NBA coach, <laughs> but you would think that more continuity would be good for this team. And I think that could also come with, as we mentioned before, an increase of minutes for certain guys along the way. I will say though, given just different lineups, Brooke Lopez, I just want to give him a lot of credit. He has looked great in the bubble and against Miami. He's been looking like a matchup problem for Miami in a couple of different ways. And how many minutes did you say he's, he's been averaging throughout the season? 29. 29. I mean, I know he's a big body, but that's another guy I would love to see on the court just a little bit more. And there's been foul trouble too, as you've mentioned. But yeah, that's 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 a rough one. That's rough. That's a lot of lineups. It's do or die now, as we sort of pointed to. So this is the game. If you're going to play in 40 damn minutes, if you're going to lose, go down with your best players on the court. Don't go down mm-hmm. with a bench player being minus 19 in 12 minutes. That's what I'll say. Now, the last question I'll, I'll mention on the lineups here, I basically just want to ask you because I, I think that there's a lot of people that are in different camps when it comes to this. And also, I just I ultimately think that you're in a no-win situation. And this is regarding the foul trouble. So Giannis picks up his third foul in the second quarter. This is, I mean, he's done this multiple times. So it's whatever, a hypothetical scenario. But we've seen it play out in the playoffs. He picks up his third foul with 10 minutes to go in the second quarter. Game three, I think there's no doubt you have to leave him in there. But what's your general thought around this? Because this has been a big talking point. It's situational. It, it really depends. As you mentioned, in game three, I might roll the dice, but yeah, it just depends how much time is left in the quarter when he gets that third file, file. What's the score at the time? Who else is on the court? Who's hot right now? Is Giannis the guy who's really driving the work right now? Like If he's the reason that the Bucks are in the position that's a positive one in that moment and he gets that third file... I would probably be more likely to try to keep him on the court and just trust him in that situation. But if he's in a situation where he was already struggling, he picked up the third foul, then I'd be more likely to say, okay, let's sit down for a while. Let's regroup. Let's think about this and let's come back when, you know, in the second half and try to play better. But the foul, the fouls have been unforgiving for the Bucks. They have been <laughs> unforgiving and I've heard you mention it before but the whistle that Giannis gets is one of the strangest whistles for a superstar a soon-to-be back-to-back MVP that I've seen it 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 he doesn't get the benefit of the doubt most of the time and and that hurts because you only get one challenge and it's kind of like well when do you use the one I commend Bud for when he used it in this game but at the end once again I'm sure he was thinking to himself I wish I could have had that challenge back because 
we might have been able to win this game. But then again, you know, butterfly effect in that situation. If he had his third foul earlier, who knows what the score would have been at the end. So that was the that was the ideal usage of the challenge. I 100% agree with you. The other th- the final point I'll make on the fouls, and I, I think I've said this before, but you know, this is where the criticism. I'm, I'm not sure where I lie on it because if Chris Milton, so what? The one thing I will say, Chris Milton in the fourth quarter picked up his fifth foul with five minutes to go. In that situation, you just had to play him. You couldn't afford to sit yeah. him out for two minutes. That was a part of that stretch where the Bucks didn't score. Chris Milton was plus 18 didn't end up fouling out. You needed to leave him on the floor. But those earlier ones, particularly in the first half, if you leave them out there, they pick up that fourth foul in the second quarter, everyone's going to call you an idiot and say, what the hell are you doing? So you (laughs) just, you can't win. It's a no-win situation. There's no doubt about that. Uh, The one other thing I I, I want to bring up, because Sterling Brown spoke this morning at the the press conference and and a lot of this. And, you know, he, he obviously hasn't been playing a lot. And he spoke about the fact that he would love to be playing. Uh, but at the same time, he spoke a lot about the social injustice issues and, and the racism and everything, obviously, the Bucks did last week, but continued to do. And I, I guess the question I had for you is, because this is something I've been thinking about quite a bit since basketball started again. They had this day where they obviously didn't play and there was three days off. There was a lot of attention to this. And, and one of the concerns I've had, and clearly it's been a concern of the players, they're playing basketball, they lose momentum for what they're trying to do. They don't have the time to do the stuff that they want to do, to make the calls that they need to make, uh, to, to get out and, and give that message. So the fact that they're playing day after day here, again, I feel like basketball's come back and maybe some of that momentum has been lost. Where does this all sit with you? Because again, obviously, this is a Bucks podcast. We want to watch them play basketball. We want them to win the damn championship this year. But it's basketball. And when I hear Sterling Brown talk about this this morning, again, it just brings home to me that Okay, yeah, it's a game of basketball. When these guys, arguably when these guys finish the season, whether it's in the next week, whether it's in a month's time, like we hope, uh, they're going to have bigger things that they are going home to do. Yeah, for sure. This has been such a weird time um, to live through what can't be called anything but another civil rights movement. And to see how athletes have taken up the charge to be on the forefront of this has been encouraging to me as a, as a black woman, just, just watching it. Because when you see these images over and over, it's, it's mental trauma. I personally have had times where I felt like I couldn't do my job. And to think of how an athlete would feel in that situation, seeing the same things that I'm seeing, being away from your family, being in this bubble environment, being having all this pressure and even Paul George mentioned that how the social media stuff which is becoming too much and how he fell into his own depression while everything is going on and it's not just the world around you but you have people criticizing you doing your job on top of that like at least for me I can go to work and tell my coworkers I'm having a really rough mental day like I'm I'm not really here I think I need to take this time off to myself the players don't get the chance to really do that. They have to just play through it and they're expected to still perform at the same level every single time they step on the court. And that's really difficult. I commend all of the players who have been doing this, especially when you see some of these guys having these huge outbursts, like these huge <laughs> games, like what Jamal Murray did in like it, it's in game six and you just see how exhausted he was afterwards. And I could feel that exhaustion, not from having to play a basketball game alone, but just the weight of everything else around you that's going on. And it's a rough situation to be in. I 
the Bucks have done a great job from, and not just this year with everything that's happened, but just in general, being an advocate for social justice. And again, commend these guys. It's, it's been hard. And the fact that they're able to do it, I applaud. I applaud. Uh, 100% agree. And, you know, part of me is really, and, and again, I've said this, I, I think it's, it's frustrating for me and, and sad that these guys even have to be the ones to do this, but they continually mm-hmm. step up. And, uh, you know, I know that once this season ends, and, and it's a good point you made, not just the Bucks players, all these players are going through this. And uh, when their season ends, you know that they're going to go back to their communities and do great things. And as you said, the Bucks in particular uh, have done a fantastic job. The playing group is clearly very engaged. And if you get a chance to go back and listen to Sterling this morning speak, I highly recommend that. Well, this is, uh, this is it, Camille. This is it. <laughs> I, I hope this isn't the last podcast we have while this season is still alive. I know we're going to talk again when the season is done. There's no doubt about that. But uh, 5.30 tomorrow night at the same tip-off time again. Uh, maybe the Bucks are just adjusting to playing night basketball or late afternoon basketball. I'm not sure. <laughs> Let's think of all the excuses we can possibly think of. Let's hope we've got another uh, game to preview slash recap in the next uh, week or so, Camille. Definitely. And one thing I will say is um, each time I've come on so far, it's been after some, some tough, some tough times <laughs> for the Bucks, and they seem to turn it around. So hopefully yeah. we can bring some, um, some good favor to the guys because we're rooting for them. We know they have it in them. They just have to execute and, and get the job done. So I'm, I'm also hopeful that we'll have more Bucks playoff basketball to t- discuss. I hope the next time that I'm back on, we're, we're still discussing Bucks playoff basketball and, yeah, we'll, we'll see how things go tomorrow night. Yeah, I'm definitely not ready for the season post-mortem just yet, even though it's been the longest NBA season in history. I, I think I'd be happy <laughs> for this to go a little bit longer. Like I said, 5.30 tomorrow. Bucks and Heat game five. I guess it's 5.30 today, I should say, by the time most of you are listening to this. But uh, that's been Camille Davis. As always, check her out on the Technical Foul Podcast, T-E-C-K. Never forget that. It's a great mm-hmm. show. Uh, last week they had a great show. Actually, uh, Camille was a little fired up, which was uh, which was fun. <laughs> um, so keep an eye out for next week's episode if things don't go well for the Bucks. But we hope it does, and we hope next time I'm talking to you, the Bucks have brought the series back to two one for Camille and myself, Kane Pittman. Stay safe, and we'll speak to you guys tomorrow, next time, whenever it is. 